want. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is September the 27th, 2019. Strong hand, be a unique beast. Long-term thinking, one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Offended by selling, Wyoming is America's emerging market. You don't get to hear me say that line very often, do you? In fact, the last time I said it was when Caitlin Long was on the show and she made up that line. And now, look, she's back. She's here. She's going to tell us what happened. <laughs> and you know what? You all, you guys, all those people who are fans of doom and gloom, this show definitely is not for you. This is the high energy. When Caitlin and Adam are together, who knows what happiness and just golden age, looking forward to the future stuff is going to be talked about. So what happened this weekend in Wyoming? Well, welcome back. Thank you, Adam. It's awesome. And uh, I am in Wyoming. I'm in a hotel room. We just finished the Wyoming Blockchain Stampede, which kicked off last week with Governor Gordon signing a proclamation to make Wyoming the cryptocurrency haven of the United States. I didn't think I'd live to see the day, or probably a lot of us didn't think we'd live to see the day when a governor of a state would say that, but he did last week. And then we had the, uh, the task force, the last meeting of the task force before we start doing all the legislative machinations we recommended passage of seven bills. Some of them are just cleanup technical bills. One really important one is it, it, it allows the new special purpose depository institutions to serve retail clients. Watch because some of the exchanges in this space may come into Wyoming as a result of that one change. Um, and we're also going to allow insurance companies to invest in crypto in Wyoming. And uh, two really important ones that I think your audience will love one says that in the state of Wyoming, the state cannot ever compel you to disclose your private key. Now, um, again, this isn't law yet. It has to go through the process. But this was something that, you know, the community asked for. Could we, could we have an absolute prohibition on ever, you know, a judge or um, in, in criminal or civil or administrative proceedings, you will never have to disclose your private key if this bill becomes law. Um, and we also had one... We were going to actually allow, um, allow DAOs to have legal recognition in Wyoming, but instead we basically said, why don't we just basically take the criminal liability away from developers so the state can't criminally prosecute developers for writing code? Um, and you know, you can still be criminally prosecuted if your code steals something, or right if you've got a backdoor that defrauds people, etc. Those those theories of criminal liability absolutely still hold, but just simply for writing code. There, that, that cannot be, um, you cannot be solely prosecuted simply for writing code. Um, and then after that, if that weren't enough, we went into YO Hackathon. We had both a, a, a developer conference and a business conference. Um, Charles Hoskinson released the new release of Plutus, which is his smart contract programming language. Um, and, and Jesse Powell brought a whole huge team of people from Kraken. Uh, uh, and, and Shapeshift came up and started teaching Bitcoin 101 to, you know, regular folks from the public. Um, and I would say from the hackathon, a, a couple of big takeaways. Number one, all of the hardware wallets flew off the shelf in, on day one. Nobody began to bring enough inventory of keep keys. Um, and then we had a, a really interesting company I'd never heard of until uh, I connected with them a couple months ago about this. Um, it's called Decent Wallets, and they have a biometric hardware wallet. They're out of Korea, um, and they too ran out of wallets on the first day. It was just, 
yeah, it was so interesting. Pomp was here and he said, you know, sometimes I go to these conferences and I kind of think it's just a run of the mill, but he said, this one, I'm coming away so pumped on Bitcoin. It was such a developer focused conference. And, um, and then, you know, we, and, and, and this, and this is what happened. Everybody is just scrambling to get hardware wallets right and left. Uh, the other, the other big takeaway I had, you'll love, which is that kids rule the world. We had a 13 year old CEO of a company who was spouting off the, the limitations of his SEC no action letter, like a, you know, a 30 year old CEO. It, he was so amazing. And then we also had a team of eighth graders from a tiny town in the middle of Wyoming who have a very special nature. And, and, and he, brought, he brought this team of eighth graders um, and, and between his team of eighth graders and then the other teacher's team of high schoolers, they won three prizes in the hackathon. So it's amazing. It's, it's kids rule the world. Wow. There's a lot. I, I, <laughs> you brought up a lot there and I've got questions. First of all, everyone, pound that like button if you like this energy. And Caitlin, share everybody the shirt. No one can see the shirt. Uh, they, they should. Uh, yeah. Come everybody the shirt. Yeah, yeah. You were, show, you were showing your shirt too. There's. Yeah, long Bitcoin. Long Bitcoin. Do you guys get it? Do you guys yeah. get that there? All right. Now you, you said some. And well, first of all, you're not only talking the talk. You're walking the walk. But you moved back to Wyoming, didn't you? I moved back. Yeah, I moved back. Bought a house in June. And and you know, it's because this is the place to be. There's so many reasons for this to for folks to be here. This community is building, and it was really fun during the task force meeting. Every time a company got up and testified, Representative Tyler Lindholm would ask them, are, are you a Wyoming company? Yes, sir. Have you moved to Wyoming? And almost all of them said yes. So it's really fun. And the reason Charles Hoskinson was so prominent here is that he, IOH came up to Wyoming as well. He's been doing a lot with the University of Wyoming Computer Science Department. So. Um, folks, it's happening. People are coming here. And I, I was told by the developers at the conference that that proposed law that says you won't have to reveal a private key, that's going to make people want to put, you know, cloud servers here. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's going to be, we don't want concentration risk in Wyoming. I'm not arguing for any sort of centralization of any networks in Wyoming. But I think what you're going to start to see is that people will start to to try to take advantage of the of those protections here by domiciling their their foundations for their open source projects here in Wyoming, for example, or you know developers actually VPNing into Wyoming, um, for example, or the or you know all the all the cold storage happening in abandoned missile silos in Wyoming, right? There's there's just it's I think there there's going to be so much creativity people who don't necessarily move here but are going to do everything they can to take advantage of the laws and i it, it's interesting that uh they, you said uh that company came up from denver the keep key people came up uh that's uh yeah shapeshift yep. shapeshift that's what i meant to say so i mean maybe that that's, yeah. that's very convenient that's very again take advantage of denver's proximity i i, I like that a lot now you said something that was shocking to me. You said the hardware wallets were going off flat. They ran out of hardware wallets. Now, yeah. were they being sold at a discount? Were they being sold? Were they being given away? What was, because I, from what I've heard, hardware wallets generally are not selling right now. So this is a positive development. Well, at least at Wyo Hackathon, these two companies that brought a whole bunch of them ran out. I don't know how many uh, um, wallets the Decent folks brought, but they 
actually were just taking a, a sign-up list for people who wanted to have them mailed from, to them from Korea. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's a two-factor authentication using biometrics. So um, it's, it's a different approach than, than the ledgers and trusters and keep keys. And I, until I ran into Munir Simpson, um, who's, a, who's a Jamaican living in Korea that, that guy, with a Wharton degree. I just love him. <laughs> he is just so global. He's just a perfect example of, uh, of, of this industry, how yeah. global we are. And he shows up in Wyoming and, uh, and just blew people away with the, with the device that he had. Um, but, but then the, the, uh, the Shapeshift people brought 500 of them up and they offered to keep selling as, as I think you may know, um, they, they just had their fifth anniversary. And so they were selling them for $5. And so they offered to sell them for $5 up here in Wyoming. So, um, so yeah, they were discounted, but they weren't free. They weren't giving them away. Um, and, and yet, you know, people from the general public, actually the reason Shapeshift came up is I asked them to, because there are still a lot of people as we know, who don't know how to acquire and store Bitcoin. And, um, you know, here we had this huge event on campus in this brand new engineering building that was almost purpose built and, and so we had a lot of people from the general public coming in and um, going up for some free tutoring from the Shapeshift team on how to buy and store Bitcoin. Wow. That, well, okay. That, so that you, you gave a good explanation of why they're flying off the shelf. That's uh, $5 is a, I'd be, man, I'd be buying a heck of a lot of them. That, that's really awesome though that they support the community like that. Uh, this yeah. de Decent Wallet, you're going to have to send me the link for this Korean company. Um, that's very, very, very intriguing yeah. stuff there. That'll be linked to below, including Caitlin Long's uh, Twitter is also linked to below. All right, let's, one thing that was very exciting also that you, the, the state of Wyoming isn't going to be able to take any or force anyone to reveal their private key. That is cool as anything. You, you're, you're absolutely right. That should be, you should be shouting that to the rooftops. Who knows how many people will want to uh, move there or, or domicile that whatever put their companies there. Now, uh, one thing, Trace, we were talking about Trace Mayer. I think was Trace Mayer there this weekend? Yes. Oh, absolutely. He was sure. Yeah. Now, now he is a wise man. And the last time he was on he my is. show, he always freaks people out about one thing. And the thing he freaked people out about, uh, was how you can establish, uh, a home for your Bitcoin in, uh, or your, your cryptocurrency in Wyoming, and thus it's safe Look, from, yeah, it. you, you, sorry, we yeah. just had a little bit of static. So, yeah, sure, you know, it's, it's the locating Wyoming. How do you locate a digital asset, right? And I know that that sounds really strange to everybody, but the question is, you know, how does the, the legal system interact with digital assets? This is not just about blockchain, this is about any digital asset, um, you know, air rights um, for real estate or, or any intangible asset is probably a better word, air rights for real estate or intellectual property. Um, and, and the legal system was written when it, back in the 50s in the US when everything was tangible. Well, we got a bunch of intangible stuff now, so how do we handle it? And the answer is you, you still actually have to figure out how to have jurisdiction of the law. That, now, some of the purists who are listening to your show are thinking, wait a minute, code is law, why do we care? The problem is what you don't want is multiple jurisdictions claiming that they that they have jurisdiction over you at the same time. And so 
you end up in a worse situation where if there's a dispute because you bought Bitcoin that somebody else claimed ownership of, and then a judge, you end up in court and a judge is saying, you know, you've got multiple jurisdictions going after you saying, you know, that, that, that you got to give up your Bitcoin. How do you defend yourself? So this is actually an attack vector on, on hodlers. It is, and, and well, it hasn't happened yet, although, believe it or not, there's been litigation in Wyoming already. We're starting to get court cases in Wyoming relating to digital assets, um, which, is, which is great, because lawyers love that, right? It gives legal opinions that make it really clear exactly what the legal status is. So, um, so, so, so part of where Trace is going, he's a lawyer by background as well, is he's trying to figure out how do we minimize this legal attack vector on this, on this industry. And one way is to create a means by which you, you, you locate the asset in Wyoming. Um, and, and it's just a legal construct. It has nothing to do with the code. It has nothing to do with, with you know, whether the servers are in Wyoming or whether your, your um, cold, wall, cold storage is in Wyoming. Um, you, you can do that, of course, and it makes it easy if, if those things are true. But if you're not in Wyoming and you are, um, you know, you're living in Zimbabwe or something like that, um, you still, there are still ways that you can get the protections of the legal structure of Wyoming by setting up a Wyoming limited liability company and the like. All of these are creatures of the law. They are not um, anything that changes the, the Bitcoin core code at all, um, but they are belt and suspenders. It, it's, it's ways to shut down the attack vectors uh, on you. Um, one of Trace's ideas is, um, and I th I'm sure this is what made people go a little nuts as well, is the lean cleansing provision. Um, and you may be thinking, what the hell? <laughs> Why do I care about this? Well, you know, at, right now with Bitcoin at 10,000, it's, you know, look, let's be honest, we're still a niche industry. If Bitcoin's at a million, okay, everything, we are, we are all hotspots that are targets, not just, not just for theft of our private keys, but also for these legal attack vectors where somebody's going to claim that they own that Bitcoin. Let me give you an example of where this is very realistic. It's, it's the market. People are lending their Bitcoins right and left right now. And you don't know whether when you put your coins on, um, you know, on a, on a BlockFi or a Salt Lending or any number of those, of those platforms, I'm not singling any of them out, but you all know what I'm talking about. People, you, 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 you'll, you'll deposit your Bitcoin there and then they will lend it out. And what you don't know is whether that claim that somebody else had against your Bitcoin might come back to be enforced against you by a court at some point down the road. And, and you know, that's something you have no visibility into um, because they're not showing you the legal documents of, you know, who they lent your Bitcoin to whether that lien was released, to use a legal term. A lien is like a mortgage. When you, when you um, borrow money against your house, there is a, something called a mortgage. It's a lien that says that the lender has the first claim on that. And if you sell your house and that isn't released, um, you're going to end up in court. Well, that's exactly what we're talking about here. If, if, the, if one of those platforms sells your Bitcoin without that lien, somebody might you, you would have been a completely innocent um, party, but you may end up having to give up your Bitcoin. Now, in Wyoming, you won't be forced to reveal your private keys, but they, to, to be clear, and it, by the way, that's not law yet, um, clear, 
one of the questions your listeners are probably thinking is, well, wait a minute, does that mean I can just steal the Bitcoin, you know, hide it from my spouse that I'm divorcing from or, you know, never have to use it to satisfy a judgment? No, absolutely. The, ju- the court can still can compel you to, to deliver the assets or public key, but they cannot tell you to deal the private key if this, if this becomes law. So we are, we are definitely talking about edge case esoteric stuff here. I get it. And that's probably making some of your listeners' minds explode, but it's less relevant now than it will be when Bitcoin is at a million or 10 million, right? And all of a sudden, everybody's going to be coming after all the hodlers. Mm, this is a pre- long-term thinking here. I get it. But again, people, you, there are ways you can kind of avoid some of this trouble, you know, with the BlockFi example, not picking on them. Don't loan out your freaking uh, Bitcoin where you, you get into situations where someone can question the title, who question who really owns it. Uh, that, that, I mean, that's what I preach here. Just get that hardware wallet for $5 yeah. and store it and never loan it out and yeah, you're good. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and we're back to proof of keys, right? That's what proof of keys is all about, um, you know. And it's not just—it's not just the coin lendings, right? Uh, businesses, it's—it's it's backed and LedgerX, um, and it's even all of the custodial exchanges. Um, if you don't have custody of your keys, you don't own your Bitcoin. And so, um, I, I don't mean to to single out coin lending platforms. I shouldn't even be naming any of them, but. What I'm intending to do here is to lay out that all of them, the moment you turn those Bitcoins over to them, you don't know what the, what the, what the true title history of those coins is, except for what's recorded on the blockchain. But all these legal um, constructs like liens and things are off chain. And there's no way for you to keep track of, you know, if you've got margin lending claims against the coins that you bought and you are a totally innocent purchaser, it's, the, it's theoretically possible, and I think it will happen increasingly, that, um, that, that somebody's going to get sued for having bought Bitcoins that somebody else claimed to have owned. Okay. This, you really fleshed it out nicely uh, so that people, I think it'll calm people down. And, and I definitely, <laughs> I, I, I understand it a lot more than I, I previously did also. But you gave real life examples. It's good stuff. All right, people, pound that like button. Now, we're going to move into the broader uh, financial world. The repo. The repo yep. was let. La- Explain what that was and uh, what's it got to do with Bitcoin? Because uh, you've got some you've got some thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm I'm actually writing this up um, as we speak. the The repo market, as you know, I came from Wall Street. I spent a lot of time in and around that market, and it's how the big banks fund themselves. They fund themselves overnight by pledging securities on their balance sheet as collateral for loans. Back to this whole lien concept we were just talking about, right? It's, it's what's called secured financing. Well, there were, there were a couple of banks last week that were so desperate for financing that they were willing to pay 10% overnight on clean collateral like a U.S. Treasury. Okay, so what does that mean? It means the financial system ran out of cash. Stop and think about that. The financial system ran out of cash last week, and the Fed had to pump more in by basically diluting all of us dollar holders to the tune of, I think it was $58 billion the first day, and it was $75 billion on Friday. Um, and, and, and so basically it's propping up zombie banks. Now, um, a a little esoteric here. If you think about a U.S. Treasury, that's supposed to be a so-called risk-free asset. We all know it's not, but but that's what the financial system thinks. So why is it that somebody was willing to pay 10% to be able to finance on a risk-free asset that has a very, very low interest rate? There's something really upside down on that. And the answer is 
that of course we know that those assets are not risk-free. They are the most fractionally reserved assets in the financial markets, US treasuries are. Um, the IMF did a, uh, an, an analysis of government bonds and estimated that there are three people who think they own every government bond outstanding. And so um, the truth of the matter is that those things are fractionally reserved just the same way traditional banks are fractionally reserved, which means that they are all technically insolvent. Um, and the Fed props them up by keeping them liquid, but they are insolvent. So this is all super great, you know, teaching moments for us in the crypto world to explain to people. It is pretty scary what happened last week. Now, the Fed can always pump, you know, can bail out the financial system by pumping in cash, which is what it did. Um, but we came that close. We, we, you know, the fact that we came that close to a real problem should be making everyone pause. And I think it is, by the way. A lot of people are talking about this. It's a great teaching moment. But, um, but I, will, I will also say, I went back and looked at how fast Lehman Brothers collapsed. Lehman's stock was about $18 the week before it went to zero. That's unusual, right? If you think about like the retail companies, like I was looking at JCPenney the other day, a great old company and its stock is trading at like 75 cents, right? But it has been for a long time. So the market is saying, look, you know, the chance this company survives is not very high when the stock price goes down that way, that goes down that far, but it took years to get there. In Lehman's case, it took a week to get from 18 to zero. Um, and so what does that tell you? That tells you things can unwind very fast in the financial system. And so a company that appears solvent one day can be out of business the next. And, and the reason is because they lose access to the repo market. It, it is ground zero for financial services um, um, instability. And so that's why the, the folks in the know are looking at this going, uh, you know, we saw this coming a long time ago. It was not a surprise. This has been building in this most recent episode for months. It just happened to break into the headlines this past week. But uh, it should make everybody really nervous about keeping assets in the mainstream financial system. But the thing is, now, the, the Fed can just print the money and fix the problem. That's what just happened. I mean, they didn't do it for Lehman for some reason, uh, but they, they did it this week or last week, apparently. So, I mean, don't we know the solution yeah. already? We, I mean, we already yeah. know the solution. I mean, and then it dilutes the, the dollar, but... I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm of the of the school yep. of thought that it's things aren't going to fall apart. They'll just they'll keep doing that over and over again. Well, they can do that over and over again as long as there's unencumbered balance sheet to support the continued issuance of debt, which is really what's happening. Every time the Fed pumps in reserves, they have fancy words for it, right? But what it really is is it's diluting all of us dollar holders by issuing more dollars and. And uh, as we all know, a dollar is a debt-based instrument, so we're just issuing more debt. That's all. That's all that's happening. At some point, we won't be able to continue to do that. But I will say one other thing. Um, don't, don't, don't assume that just because this is happening that the dollar's going to collapse tomorrow. There's going to be one hell of a head fake dollar rally. And the reason is that all these dollars that have been issued in the repo market primarily, um, a lot of them have been issued overseas. So there's at least $5 trillion that no one really knows how much um, was issued overseas outside of the direct regulation by the Fed. Um, and so what the, if you think about what that is, if a dollar is issued overseas, it's actually US dollar. And part of what's happening now, because there's not very, very good um, funding available in the market, 
is that um, people are scrambling to buy dollars. So you're, you're seeing what I call a head fake rally where people are buying dollars because they, they desperately need them and they're willing to pay as much as 10% overnight funding to buy dollars. That's, that, that's, that's how desperate they are for dollars. So you're gonna see a hell of a dollar rally. But that does not mean that people who dollar collapsing are wrong. It's just a temporary short-term reaction to what's really going on, which is that there's a gigantic US dollar short position out there that when this all comes home to roost, the dollar's gonna spike. And it's the dollar spike that potentially brings, brings about the end of the dollar. So I know that's a weird thing, but that's exactly what I think is how, how it's gonna play out. Okay, that's that is an interesting story. A, a dollar spike can bring about the end of the dollar. And you I, you got a little staticky there for yep. one second. I want to clarify one thing. You said outside the U.S. the dot the, the dollar's worth more. You're saying you said I, I that got a little uh, crunchy at one point. Yeah, some... sorry for the the static. I'm on Intel Wi-Fi. We Adam and I tried this uh, tried to fix this beforehand, and we just decided to. To tape anyway sorry about that but the um yeah so it's not that it's outside the u.s that it's worth more per se it's it's a dollars outside of the u.s you know over the last 30 years and they lost control of of how many of those dollar claims are outstanding overseas and they don't even have a good feel for how many there are there have been people who've tried to quantify this the um the bank for international settlements quantified in 2009, um, so a year after the financial crisis, and just the European banks alone, they estimated the, at the high end of the range of their estimates was six and a half trillion. And that's the European banks alone. Um, and so China, obviously, we know through global trade that China has accumulated an enormous dollar short position as well in its and no idea how to measure it. All right. Uh, Did I lose you? No, no, no. I, I just stopped my video. You might want to stop the video on your side. That might help with the bandwidth. There's that little option down there. It says stop video. Maybe that'll, uh, that, that yeah. might help. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. It's crappy. Let's see. I'll stop video. All right. Yeah. There, yeah. there we go. Don't, don't worry. Help us? You, you, no, no, that, that'll help. That, that, that is great. That is great. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll keep on moving on I'm here. I'm so sorry. I wish I there was something better we could do. No, no, it is. It's fine. People have definitely gotten all the information has uh, definitely come through. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is uh, BACT, the, uh, the, the situation with BACT, uh, how it started this week. Yeah. Well, uh, I just saw BACT announce that the first Bitcoin futures contract traded on Sunday night. So um, it, is, uh, it is officially operational. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes and obviously as I've said publicly before, there are, it's, just, it's just like I, I talked about Facebook Libra. There are definitely pros and definitely cons to back being in this market. Oh, by, by the way, you bringing up Facebook Libra just reminded me of something that I meant to ask you about the, all the laws in, uh, in, in Wyoming. They are, someone asked this last time, they're for all cryptocurrencies. It's not just Bitcoin specific. It's, it's all cryptocurrencies. Definitely, yes, they're for everybody. You know, a state can't pick winners and losers. And obviously when you're trying to green light things, which is really what we're doing, we're not trying to restrict things, right? If we tried to define things too narrowly, we'd be restricting them. What we're trying to do is broaden out and take away the, the, the obstacles to this industry developing. And, and it's not appropriate 
for lawmakers to pick and choose winners. So what we've tried to do is green light all of this new technology to the best extent possible. And so far, I think we've done it. Some folks, you know, the, the Bitcoin maximalists would be saying, why would you bother? Um, but, you know, it's, it's let's let the market play out. Let's not have any regulation determine wh who's the winner. Uh, I like that. I like that coming, not picking winners and losers. What a state. What a state that Wyoming is, man. Live free. All right. Now, we're talking about hearings. This week, I, I, well, now this is, we're taping this on Monday. Uh, I just wanted to point that out to everyone. So, but there's supposed to be uh, hearings this week. The, the U.S. Senate is supposed to have some more hearings. Have you heard about that? Cryptocurrency related uh, hearings from well, the- uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there there are more hearings, um, and you know everybody. It's it's like with with Facebook, it woke everybody up to the reality that there's now competition in money, which is a wonderful thing. And I know we can have a lot of whether money should be corporate. Obviously, the governments think money should be government, uh, and the rest of us think money should be free, but. Um, there is, it, it, Facebook's taking a lot of the, um, the shade that I think was inevitably coming all of our way. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're out front and um, taking a lot of hits, but we would eventually have taken those hits anyway. So I'm just as happy to have them be the ones that take the hits. But all of a sudden now, to your point, there are hearings happening right and left on Congress about this and, and also in Europe as well. Yeah, it's it's it, they're, they're trying to have their say these these bureaucrats, but in the uh, in the end of the day, they won't be able to stop it. So uh, now, oh, I agree. Yeah, uh, let's. Uh, I was going to ask you more about the uh, Wyoming uh, situation. Uh, well, yeah, in, in so people are wondering what, what's the what what is the next step? What uh, where are you going to go from here? Are you going to have an, an event next year again? Uh, I mean, you've obviously you've relocated there, so. Are you going to try to, yeah. you talk about the computer science department at the, at the university. I mean, this, improving that, I mean, that alone could uh, attract the youth. You were talking about the youth before too. So, I mean, that's where it's, that's where it definitely starts at. I mean, for when we're talking about the future, I, I see it. Um, because, you know, there, there's some people that aren't youthful. They hear about Wyoming, they don't want to touch it or whatever. But the, the world is a change. The world is, the youth will think differently, I think. Oh yeah, that it was amazing. We had high school students also from other parts of Wyoming, um, and and you know we had we had somebody who was clearly a retiree. So we had the the age range of people um, participating and competing at the hackathon was very wide. It was really amazing. I think the youngest person was twelve. Um, so so yeah, um, I think for Wyoming, you know, more more and more companies are coming here. The University of Wyoming now this is they've been teaching blockchain in their distributed systems class for three and a half years. So, um, you know, Wyoming's not an Ivy League university. It's not MIT or Caltech, but it's right up there in terms of, uh, in terms of the quality of education. And I, and I went to my, my undergraduate from, from there. My dad was a professor of electrical engineering for 40 years. It, that's what, it punches well above its weight class, so to speak, um, in, in, uh, in, in this. And it's, and it's, you know, there, there are going to be a lot of people hanging around here. I think um, I, I watched the head of the computer science department spend time with both um, Jesse Powell and uh, Charles Hoskinson. And, um, you know, th there's going to be some serious research here 
that that will be coming out of it. And it's all distributed systems based. It's it's the hardcore distributed systems um, niche within computer science that is frankly where all the blockchain activity is taking place. Yeah, it would be great if they if a pipeline could be created from the universe because there are companies out there all over the world that are looking for blockchain people, Bitcoin people, whatever you want to call it. But if I mean, yep. a, a university anywhere could step up and say, we're the ones we're the ones that are going to you know, create this pipeline of people and we're going to be the best of the best. And why not do it in, in Wyoming since they are really taking the lead in, in terms of state publicity being tied around uh, Bitcoin and blockchain. So yeah, I, I, you know, it's interesting because one of the students who came. Yeah, yeah. One of the students who came from Shoshone last year was a senior. And so he's now in community college. Uh, he's, he's starting at, at community college. And I kind of question, you know, a guy like that who was being mentored by engineers from Slovakia um, after the hackathon was over, like he, you know, doesn't need a college degree. I, I, it, it's, it's interesting because I feel very torn. I think it's great that the university is doing all these things. That, and I also look at what's happening and think, um, you know, if the university is making some of these things available to students that are, that are you know, just high school aged or junior high aged, um, you know, some of them won't end up spending time going to college. Some of them will just go straight into this industry. And I think that's a wonderful thing. You don't, I, 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 I'm very well educated myself, spent a fortune on um, college and, and two graduate degrees. Uh, but I really am wondering um, whether this next generation, especially given the cost of college, is worth it. Now I will say, Wyoming is very, it's the best funded um, land grant university in the country. It's a public school. Uh, so if you come out here and you get Wyoming residency, it, there is, the tuition cost is almost zero. Um, so they're, they're, because the scholarship programs are, are so great. So um, I, you know, this is, I, I'm partisan, I admit, because I grew up here and my dad was a professor here, but there's something really special here. I love that um, Gabriel Cardano, who's a Bcash developer. Yes, I know um, I, I, uh, it might be heresy for me to be talking about Bcash on your show, but uh, he's an amazing person. He's, a, he's, a, he's such a great developer. He doesn't get into the scrum between the two, um, you know, you know, Bitcoin and Bcash. We had both him and Trace Mayer at the uh, Wild Hackathon, um, but he said something really interesting. He said that there is something really special happening at the University of Wyoming precisely because of the fact that it's attracting all the developers to come in w once a year. And, and it's not now just once a year with the, with the hackathon. It's also now uh, probably some ongoing relationships with some of the hardcore academically focused projects out there. Very good. I'm glad to hear there's actually a, B, a real life in the flesh uh, Bcash developer. There's some people didn't think they actually existed. So that, 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 that is a positive. But I am, I, I am glad uh, that things are, are we're going to look back on this show one day, I, I hope, in, in, the, in the next golden age decade, in the 2020s. And we'll be like, oh, remember when people weren't moving to Wyoming yet? And before the big influx of, of, of newbies and before they built those blockchain cities and Bitcoin cities, <laughs> who knows? I mean, that I, 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 I'm just glad what I'm glad one of the 50 states is definitely stepping it up, and then I've got a guest who can explain it to everyone and put it in in terms that everyone can understand. All right, so it is Friday. We're getting toward the end of the show here. I want to give you the floor to just say anything that was left out, any news stories that you want to share, 
uh, anything, anything out there. Uh, a couple things. I didn't mention the Sandcastle Challenge. We ended the whole Stampede Week with the Sandcastle Challenge, which is a, a startup competition. And there were eight teams, two of which were the top YO Hackathon teams, uh, and the other six came in. And uh, um, the Open Index Protocol, which is uh, if, if some of your, your listeners know, has been working with Medici Ventures, which is part of Overstock. They're doing the land title um, records on the open index protocol that team won so shout out to that team it was really fun to watch that startup competition and they are now being funneled into uh, a, a group that will compete to go to Dubai 2020 which is the World's Fair um, and they chose to come to Wyoming because of the support just to support what we've been doing here so shout out to that Sandcastle event they're gonna come back again next year as well so Everybody get, you know, put it on your calendar. It'll probably be the second or third week of September. Make a, a mental earmark. Come on out to Wyoming and experience this. Lastly, I'll say October 1st is when the special purpose depository institution applications open. Um, I don't know how many companies will announce that they are uh, applying for these licenses. But these licenses, I think, are game changers for this industry as well, because it gives us an on and off ramp in this industry where we control our own destiny. Now, it's, it's fiat, so it still has to go through the Fed. Um, so we, you know, controlling destiny means that some bank isn't going to shut us off unless it's the Fed itself that shuts us off, right? But we have control because we, th th this industry goes directly to the Fed now with these um, with these that are applying I'm not going to out anybody who's applying but I think you're going to be amazed at what comes out in the next um, you know few months I don't know that everybody will announce October 1st but that's right around the corner I know there are five in the first group that intend to apply they've already already been doing work with the uh, Wyoming banking division and there's a second group behind them and it's a who's who of this industry so, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's hope uh, that the Fed doesn't block us. Everything we've been, uh, all the indications so far are that they're going to work with these applications. Um, they're basically letting Wyoming have enough rope to hang ourselves, so to speak, and be the proving ground. And if things go well in Wyoming, then, uh, then this will extend to other FDIC-insured banks at some point in the next few years. But Wyoming's going to be the place to be. This is where the fiat on and off ramps are going to come from. And I think you're, even the purists in this industry are going to be happy that we did this. Insider information right there. I like that. You're going to be on the Mount Rushmore of Bitcoin in Wyoming when they make that. I mean, you are like the founding father, mother. Yes, you are over there. You are doing great, great stuff. I did want to, at your event, did any government... Uh, Obviously, there were local government officials there. Did anyone come from the federal level? Uh, any? Or can you say? <laughs> nope. Okay. I can. No, no, no. Yeah, sure, I can say, yeah. We, we, we always invite the federal officials, the SEC, the Fed, the FDIC, uh, the CFTC. They're always invited to these meetings. They're all, by the way, they're open meetings. It's government, so anybody can show up. And, uh, and uh, occasionally, they actually have had people come out, but... Nobody came this time. They're all, they're, they're all in contact, though. It's, it's not like Wyoming is going rogue. Um, the Wyoming Banking Division has done an amazing job of 
working with the feds. And that's how we know that the feds are going to allow this. You know, that it's, a, it's almost the beta test for the U.S. is let's see what happens in Wyoming. And uh, if this goes well, which, you know, let's make sure everybody in the industry knows this has to go well. Let's, let's help these institutions so that we can keep this, uh, this, 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 um, this faucet open to the traditional fiat plumbing system. Whether we like it or not, that's how I think adoption gets accelerated. And if we lose access to the fiat system, you know, that's one of the attack vectors that would slow down um, acceleration of, the, of adoption in this industry. So we want this to go well and uh, it lets everybody, you know, help these companies out as much as we can. All right, they're laying the groundwork. That was a very positive uh, way to end the show. Let's root, root, root for Wyoming. And uh, yes, it, I, we all hope it goes swimmingly and great and perfect. All right, everybody, that was Caitlin Long. I hope you've learned a lot because she brings the real info here, the insider information that you get only here at the This Week in Bitcoin show at the Bitcoin Meister channel. Remember, every Friday we do This Week in Bitcoin and then I do a new show every single day. Saturday is Beyond Bitcoin show. So everybody, thanks a lot. Thank you, Caitlin Long, for being on. I'm Adam Meister. The Bitcoin Meister, Disrupt Meister. Remember to subscribe to this channel, like this video, share this video. Check out the links below. Pound that like button. Bang that bell button. Shabbat shalom. I will see you guys soon. Thank you. Bye-bye all.